0: He can barely see you can you sit a little closer i can't see him at all scoot over a little bit bud get a little closer i thought you didn't
1: don't, have... hey don't That's call okay. me bud i know what he looks like <laughs> <That was nice. laughs> he all right, <clears throat> all right well, we let's any... roll
0: all right <clears throat> welcome to another episode of theology hey, 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 hey. On can we have the mission music, please. we don't know we don't have any music this is I need the Skype. Music. I can't do music on the Skype three-way call. I can't get into the mood of the podcast <laughs> it get without get the you music. Into the mood. You want me to hey. hum it? Yeah, do, do it. No, don't hum it. Don't hum.
1: It's it's doing the opposite effect. Okay, go.
0: All right. Well, we don't have music today because <laughs> we're also joined by uh, with. Uh, on on the show with mandy smith who is a pastor at uh in cincinnati at the university christian church and she's also uh author on christianity today and so ivp author the and of ivp of uh, the vulnerable, vulnerable pastor, pastor which we yes. loved and we had mandy on before uh she sat in with sid my wife and i and we talked about Revival. Maybe we'll get back to that topic at the end of this episode. Actually, maybe I hope I I'll hope,
2: find a way to work. This, I hope we can talk revival back to that. Oh, no,
0: don't tell. D- don't 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 tell Dave. He's not a big fan of revival. I if have my linguistic is, issues just with it. He doesn't
2: know it. It's just the word. We'll just have to find yeah, a better word. Yeah,
0: it is. It's the word. So, but speaking of words, nice transition. Thank you, Mandy. So mm-hmm. we're speaking. Uh, we're kind of gathering today. This is the first <clears throat> podcast Dave and I have been able to sit down after the whole. Trump uh, I don't even know what Fiasco they're Fiasco They're not Sex tapes But they're Him It's a tape of him Talking about Sex and women And all these horrible things And there's been a lot Of different commentary uh, By the about way it.
1: Sex and women Is not a horrible thing But there was misogyny Thank there you There was grotesque Objectification thank Of women yes, There was manipulation yes. It was disgusting <laughs> But yes and we get it. This is why we, we, we had, now we can refer to it as the tape because it's now infamous. It's tape. bringing exactly uh, major fiasco to the Trump campaign.
0: So this is the first time we've been able to sit down and kind of reflect on these things. But we wanted to bring you in, Mandy, so we weren't just two white
1: guys talking about
0: this. But I want to step back again to words. You know, words are really powerful. Words uh, help create and shape reality. You know, Genesis one, we have God uh, speaking the world into existence, and then that that gift of language that gift of words is given to humanity and human and and you know realities are created through the words uh mm. that we use and they 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 also give permission to people or permission to ideas and they also prohibit ideas and they prohibit kind of different actions and so words are very uh powerful world shaping realities and so when we come to words like you know, sexism or racism, or how do we speak about women or how do we speak about bodies? Just like I kind of made that miscue about, you know, sex and women and other horrible things, right? That would out of context. <laughs> that would sound like, you know, that I think they are horrible things, but, uh, that's okay. but the same with, uh, racism and racial profiling or, you know, white and black and these different kinds of things. And so words shape these different realities. And I think with Trump, uh, I think he becomes this kind of focal point for, uh, the promise or the danger of words and how he's been able mm. to use his words to rally people in certain ways, how he's used his word to certainly offend. Um, and so when words go unchallenged, uh, they can really influence people for evil um, or they can influence people for good. And uh, so that that's one kind of thing that I wanted to start off with is the words are really important. And the words that Trump uses to speak of women, you know, or to, Oh, this is just locker room talk or whatever, mm. right. Try to distance himself from his own words. It's important but then there's also strategies. And so this hey, we'll, kind we'll, uh, uh, bef- of. Oh, okay, you, you want to jump in you're gonna, on that, 1st you're,
1: you're getting really thick here. I, think I know. A, you said a lot. There's and just
2: so much you could say about all of
1: that. <laughs> yeah. So that the, was only so point the question. One. I got four more. So the question for, <laughs> Take a breath. for Reverend Mandy Smith here is why do you think, um, uh, let's call them the evangelicals, for lack of a better word? I don't know that they're all evangelicals, but the few, the, the, these people like Wayne Grudem and. Uh, 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 the guy at Liberty and uh, and Dobson Dobson. and uh, other male white figures have stood behind Trump uh, Mm. through all of this misogyny and said, well, he's not perfect. He's not a Sunday school teacher. We need a leader. Why do you think that is? Why do these words seem to be bypassed and and, and ignored?
2: Mm. That's a really good question. (laughs) It's a mystery to me. But I wonder if You know, it was very interesting for me to see how that conversation was happening on the bus with Trump and then the woman enters. And I suddenly relived all of these conversations that I had had with men. And I'd had a feeling that that conversation had just happened before I entered the room. And it Mm. kind of confirmed that. And so maybe if you haven't been on the receiving end of that, you haven't felt how bad it feels. And this isn't, you know, I know there are ways that women mistreat men or, or make men feel like objects as well. But the fact is, men have the power physically to do the things to women that yes. they have been talking about without their consent. And so it is a violence, even if it is only speech. So I suppose that if you haven't been in the on the receiving end of that, then it it is easy to say it's just words. That's my only thought, perhaps. Um, and yet at the same time, uh, when he said at the debate well, let's let's not talk about that. That's just locker room talk. It's just words. Let's talk about something that's real, like ISIS. Um, That's Mm. troubling to me because he doesn't see how there's very real violence going on uh, towards women as a result of that locker room kind of talk. So I I can only imagine that the evangelical leaders you mentioned don't see that very real connection.
0: Well, I, I find a certain irony as you were saying, you know, like they dismiss all these words, these words of women, you know, the the feelings of, of women, like, you know, to be objectified. And yet, aren't we as evangelicals, the people of the word, like the word mm-hmm. of God is supposed to be so important to us. And yeah. yet we dismiss all these other words. And that's why, yeah, incarnation. That's why, you know, I wanted to start where we did like words are powerful. You know, yes. like I wrote a, a blog post a while ago, like uh, telling your kids, that old phrase, you know, sticks and stones might break your bones, but words can never hurt me. It's like, that is the worst lie you could tell your kids because Mm. words do hurt. Mm -hmm. They hurt really bad and they hurt other people. Um, And so the, you know, sometimes it's almost better to get hit by a stick, but a word that can wound can stay with you forever. And so uh, I I see that as kind of an irony. And so uh, I think there's kind of these power strategies uh that evangelicals are kind of involved in that makes them kind of have a blind eye to these things like they're so you know it it may be for good reason but there's a strategy to maybe well we need supreme court justices we need a president in there Mm. who will elect these certain things we need these right to life and so there's all sorts of strategies for controlling government or political power um, that seems to be more compelling than the kind of day-in and day-out words that Trump uses to objectify not just women, but all sorts of people, African-Americans and Latinos, you know. And all these words um, are so damaging. And it's like, could one Supreme Court justice repair all of that evil? And I I just don't see it, but it certainly seems that a lot of evangelicals feel that it would.
1: So there's this disconnect between... Uh, And and maybe these uh, evangelicals' minds between the veneer of what's going on. Oh, Trump doesn't really mean that. He's joking. He's blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, and I was once, for those of you who don't know, I was once a Wall Street broker and i worked in the underbelly of of male uh supremacy white male supremacy where this kind of locker room talk as trump called it was going on all the time the uh misogyny the objectification of women the commodification of sex it was all going on all the time and yet nobody talked about it in public because it was inappropriate it was it was uh politically incorrect but folks we have a society here that is governed by uh, these forces of pornography, of image making in Hollywood, mm. and the way we talk about and deify self expression of sexuality in all its forms. And so, and, and yet, it just blows my mind that these evangelicals can just say, "Oh, that's no big deal, mm. no big deal." As long as we get the right uh, Supreme Court justice in there, everything will be all right, right? right. Yeah. Does that blow your mind?
2: Absolutely.
1: So I, the, I don't the question, even
2: know. The, the part of my brain that is surprised is kind of worn down to a nub
1: <laughs> yeah, and so, after the
2: last couple of years.
1: So um, I guess what I think is really at the heart, and I know you got other things you want to talk about, no, Jeff, no, so I'm no, going to shut up right it. after this, but what is the church supposed to do? I think the church has traditionally, in, in my own uh, historic tradition of evangelical, Billy Graham evangelicalism, is we're supposed to cozy up and get the government to – to do what we think God wants them to do, but fact is, no. We need to become churches of 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 social reality where we do not allow and we work against misogyny, objectification right. of women and other people, and and uh, the the deification of sexualized objects. We need to work against this, and then we'll change. The, God will change the world. God will, not me, not you, not Mandy. Uh, can I can we'll I bring this round
2: to revival again already? Amen. Yeah, okay, right. I'm, I'm, I'm right. feeling watch, it. Watch, watch how I can do this. <laughs> I think that the voice of the church definitely needs to be one of indignation at the injustices that are happening here. But what would it look like for there to be a voice of repentance coming from the church for whatever way that we have had part in this?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And for that to come from the top? For... And I think I remember reading a, a draft of a book, which is actually about to come out pretty soon here by a very oh, famous really? man.
0: What book was um, that? A that, very famous man, it she talks said. about
2: reconciliation and that those who have the power or who are perceived to be in power should be the first. And so what would it look like for the men of the church to model to the culture repentance for their direct or indirect part in these travesties. Mm. And how would that, in addition to whatever petitions we want to write or indignation we want to express, how would that actually model a totally different posture for the world? And here's where revival comes in. Then we might remember that we need God. And that's where transformation happens. Whether you want to call it revival or not, that's, that's how I define revival. Is remembering I'm on board. that we
0: Well, I think you re- wrote that book, Dave. Faithful Presence. She
1: was referring to. Yes, so now I was you gotta trying answer. to
2: quote subtly from a book that.
0: Oh, we're David all about promotion did. here. Um,
1: yeah. Okay. So, in fact, uh, I have argued that white men need to confess their racism before the church, before uh, people of other races first, and open up space for God to reconcile and renew in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I need to think, now what you're saying, uh, Mandy, is I need to think about how to do that in relation to the way we've viewed and, uh, objectified women.
2: Mm. How could you for model some that reason for, I find for Donald that- Trump and people like Donald Trump? I long, honestly, I long, I thought of you today before you guys even called me, I was thinking of you, Dave, and I thought, I want somebody like Donald Trump and all the people who model themselves after him to see somebody like David Fitch. Oh, no. And to see the Christ likeness that comes from lowering, mm. Mm. like not like his his way is you you know I'm going to raise you like you you threaten me I'm going to up the ante. Yes. What does it look like to confront that with absolute lowering?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, so it I, would lay, be... I
2: lay that before you. Oh, well,
1: no, uh, but I can see a group of pastors, maybe even prominent pastors. Um, pastors who have not been able to make space for women either as pastors within their churches or in other ways, um, marginalized women getting together on one platform, confessing their sin Mm -hmm. to women Mm -hmm. publicly Mm -hmm. and asking for a new world to be born out of that. That would be an amazing event.
2: What a great idea. You should do that.
0: (laughs) Wait, I think that was your idea, Mandy. And that, <laughs> now you're just letting him well, take credit for that idea. I actually idea.
2: Wrote, I wrote a prayer on Miss Yale Alliance. It was called, I think, like a Lenten prayer for Mr. Trump or something like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. because I wanted to confess, you know, you see him, you get indignant, you get angry, and some of that is justified. Some of that is sin, too, where we are actually just participating in the same violence in yes. our own hearts. And so the only way I know to overcome that is to repent of our own efforts at human strength. And, um, so the, the prayer begins with like, Oh, I just hate how he makes me feel. And I just want him to fall from power and all this stuff. And then realizing how we become a part of the problem and repenting of the ways that we also try to fix everything in our own strength or to dominate others or whatever. And so the only thing that has helped me through this whole election is, is not the ramping up. I let myself go there, but, um, but the only thing that brings me back to peace is the releasing. So I, I guess I'm saying like I'm not only saying that white Christian men have to do that. I think we all have a part in that. But I think it would be beautiful if it if it began with that example since you have the voice um, and since you look the most like the one who is perpetuating some of this.
1: Okay, I got to go now, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but Manny, I think... Uh, I
0: think you're saying what I long for, but I'm so discouraged by in the kind of, especially the old guard kind of evangelical. And, uh, you know, I have a, like until recently, I was very adamant, like, well, you know, evangelicalism is where I come from. It's kind of who I am. Like, I'm going to own that. But if you've listened to any, you know, for all of you who've listened to the recent podcast, I've become very ambivalent. And I think it's because Trump, it's not so much Trump. I just think he's the figure that the kind of is exposing all these contradictions in you know, the, the faith community that I'm a part of. And it's just so frustrating to, to not see so many uh, men and leaders, uh, one, get offended and outraged by these things, two, kind of take any kind of action, um, mm-hmm. and three, not repent. You know, and so I see a lot of people now, and even now they're distancing themselves from Trump. Evangelical leaders are withdrawing endorsements. But— um, but not in any of the sense of repentance that I think you're talking about. It's just like, oh, he's not quite the leader we want. We want that Mm -hmm. leader and we want all that control. We still want all that stuff. We're not repenting of that, but, you know, he's not quite the right guy. But I think I long for just, hey, you know, we've totally missed it. Like we've been on this 20, 30 year, you know, desire to kind of control the government or to uh, have these justices. And and in the meantime, we've lost our own youth. We've, we've, uh, our marriages have broken down, you know, and so, what is the witness of the gospel that 's going on? It just seems so you know, and so i i I kind of hear these voices of women of like Beth Moore yes and of uh could Kate you read Wendating. that
1: uh, could you read that tweet from beth Uh
0: I, oh, I don't have the tweet by Beth Moore in front of me, but she was outraged, you know, and she 's saying like, will you evangelical men leaders, will you stand up for people like me i 've been the abused ones i 've been the harassed one like i 'm a you know, a well-known evangelical woman speaker and I've been harassed and I know people have been harassed and you Mm -hmm. in turning in a blind eye. It's not
1: just harassed, it's the male gaze and the way it's perpetuated without any critique or engagement or saying, Mm -hmm. no, we will not do that. What is going on with you? And I think that that's part of, uh, the, uh, enduring culture of male dominated hierarchy in the evangelical church. Yes.
2: Right. And it's horrible. The surprising thing for me has been how triggering that language was. And I think I read in Beth Moore's thing, um, one in five women has been raped or one in six or something crazy like that. Um, That's women who would, who you know, if you, maybe you could define it as rape. um, I would say it's more like one in two or one in three who have been um,
0: Assaulted in some fashion. Assaulted
2: physically. Like I would say almost every woman has been heckled or or talk to in a way that they don't like. But when it comes to actually physically being touched in a way that you don't want, that's the kind of locker room talk women are having is sharing the secrets of that stuff that that's how I just know that most women have had an experience of that. And so when I heard those words from the tape on Friday, I have been reliving so many experiences that I had and part of it may be growing up in Australia. It's a bit of a hedonistic culture, but, um, uh, dozens, of experiences of of strangers approaching me and engaging with me in ways that I did not want in mm, any way. Wow. Um, and mm. and that's by no means, my. I'm not an extreme case by any means. Some women have had much more extreme cases than mine. So the thought of having a president who is going to trigger experiences for people who have an experience of abuse is just disturbing, to say the very it's least.
0: Horrifying. Yeah. And, and back to the, the, the permission that words give, is he's giving license or permission to this kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. And to have a president who gives license to all sorts of people, permission, is mm-hmm. just horrifying. And this it, it goes back to my discontent before too about racism is that he's giving permission to all sorts of racists to be racist. You know, like like whatever mm-hmm. social pro uh you know prohibition that we used to have, at least being outwardly racist, it's like, well it seems like he's just Tearing all that down, and I think there has been some frustration. I I think probably among minority people, it's like, oh, well, now that the white women are being attacked, now everybody's now the evangelicals are thinking twice about their Trump endorsement. But meanwhile, look what he's been saying and doing to the minorities for so long. And so, I think there might be something to that criticism is how come evangelical periodicals, uh, like Christianity Today or uh, like other ones, are now being a little more overt in their denunciation because women have gotten involved when the race mm-hmm. card has been on the table for yeah. a, right. over a year. And, uh, how, so I think there's even more to repent <laughs> right. on those issues for
1: us white be, men. Yes. So, um,
2: I think I'm not, a lot of the women I'm speaking to are saying, why are we surprised by this tape on Friday? Why does this feel different? I remember looking at the world in a different way after his, um, I think it was the Republican debate that took place in Cleveland last yeah, last summer and all of the ways that he was speaking to Megan Kelly. Hmm, um sure. and I think that was like the blood, the horrible blood comment that he yes. made. I mean, that's incredibly personal reference. And I remember that day I was I was in Cleveland and it was the day after it had happened, so I still felt like that was in the air somehow. And I was supposed to be there to be performing a wedding for somebody and I just could not shake this darkness hanging over me and I was sitting in a mall and just looking at people walking past and I thought they're just going on about their lives as normal is this how we speak to women now is this is this acceptable behavior and I was hoping for some kind of public uproar to say this is inappropriate almost like if you were mistreated by a man as a kid and you went to a parent and said, this happened to me, you just long for them to say, that is not okay. If they say, yeah, that happens all the time, don't worry about it, it just, it just feels like uh, approval of that. And so I guess I'm just trying to say, um, if, if action that we heard about on Friday is connected to the words that he was saying to Megyn Kelly over a year ago, What does that mean for the fact that he's saying words about Mexicans and he's saying words about all kinds of, you know, refugees and and there's a race issue there? At the moment, it's just talk. We're not hearing or maybe we are. Maybe I've missed it. But um, do we have to wait for him to brag about actual action towards other marginalized people Hmm. before we take seriously his words?
1: Hmm. Yeah, those are great observations. Um, I think uh, what is insidious here and maybe what, what is uh, ongoing and enabling this whole thing to go on is a misconception of, by church pastors, of how God's going to uh, work. And and we see, or, or I should say, people like, uh, to, to bring him up again, Jerry Falwell or, or Wayne Gruden, actually think that power and hierarchy and who's in control and uh, how we're going to make things happen is really what is most important. And that the culture and the shaping of a way we are with one another is secondary. And this is why I always say when we invite women, when, when we men submit ourselves to women and mutuality create a space for women to become pastors uh, along where we actually we become pastors alongside women, we are doing away with hierarchy, patriarchy. And so the last thing we want to do is invite women to come in and be leaders like us. We want to open something new where authority and power and ministry is not based on this hierarchy, this power, this coercion. And I think that's what's at the heart of this thing, too, Uh. Jerry Falwell thinks that if we get the right guy in uh, uh, for Supreme Court justice, or if we get this guy in to take care of the tax code, this is how we're going to change the world. And this is why it's okay to vote for Trump. And I think it's an issue of power. It's the way we conceive of how God works in the world. that? I'm totally against it. That's how
0: I feel. Like, like, kind of what uh, you're saying, man. Just to go back to that cloud, you know, after the Megan killing, those stories. It's like that you are experiencing a real spiritual power Mm
1: -hmm. in
0: what he said and how he treated another woman and your thoughts of what our culture was about. Like Mm -hmm. that, you know, whatever you want to think of like angels and demons or spiritual powers and principalities, it's like that those words Mm -hmm. were a power Mm -hmm. affecting your life. And I just want to say like to all the evangelical leaders who might be listening to this podcast, which are probably none uh, or very few, it's like we need to tend to the power of those, those words so much more, so much more and that, mm-hmm. um, and not countering those words is a shame and it's an injustice. And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a participation in evil that I think is even more severe and that we might be held account to in a, in a more extreme way than mm-hmm. what people say is that particip- I've been told like, Oh, a vote for, I remember six, eight years ago, uh, uh, you know, a participation for Obama was, or voting for Obama was considered participating in evil. Uh, wow. I had someone tell me that, right. And I was like, I don't know maybe I mean that's confusing, but like not countering Trump's words and not mm-hmm. countering sexism and not countering the racism before you that's participating in evil. those mm-hmm. are evil words mm-hmm. those are spiritual because, powers affecting the world
1: right because words and the objectification and the misogyny that will go on in those words actually create that cloud that social uh culture that objectifies people and separates people, and there's no there's no presence between people anymore, it's I'm looking mm. at you in a certain way now for mm. my own whatever, hedonistic pleasure or whatever, and to allow this to be shaped and formed in the imagination of everybody who walks uh, in that mall you were at in Cleveland, Mandy, is the real problem. That's where the real pro- work is done, that's where the real power is exhibited. Mm. And it, it seems like,
0: at least mm. a lot of the evangelical leaders we're hearing are, and I think there's some that are definitely you know denouncing Trump, so it's not everyone, but they, they seem to be... Uh, uh, unaware of that, of any of those powers, right? The powers of principalities. They just kind of, and I think that's what happens to people in privilege, like Dave and I and other white leaders, white men, we have privilege. And so we are totally unaware of all the currents of power, spiritual power, words that are flowing. You know, just like you said, Mandy, the locker room talk that women are engaged with is how they have been assaulted, right? Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, unaware of that, most of yeah. them. But
2: but what a gift, as long as I've lived in this country, which has been a very long time, 2000, no, 1989 I moved here and just felt this crazy conflation of American something and Christianity and, and if you ever questioned it, then you were a heretic. Right. And yet now, for the first time that I can remember, at least to this extreme, we have a personification of what we are becoming And we have a very clear moment to actually have a choice set before us. And so it's a gift, I think. It's been under the surface. This stuff's been happening for generations. Now we have, it's ugly. It's like all the tapes that we're watching about police violence. It's been happening for generations, and yet now we get to see the video of it. This stuff has been happening, and this kind of approach to power, and this kind of marriage of the Church and politics has been happening for years, and now we get to actually see the ugliness of it in all of its glory, and we can make a clear choice. It's purifying for the Church, I believe.
0: Uh, Extremely well said. Maybe this is the moment that we could have revival then. We could repent of our sins, and the revival could begin. You know, and I would just say, I think revival has always been, uh, it always breaks out when uh, I think women are given are empowered by the Spirit. I think this is historically true. And so there's you know, a street. Exactly. So, you know, so maybe this is the moment where evangelical women are saying, enough, this is ridiculous. Uh, God wants more and better things of you and of all of us, you white leaders, evangelical leaders. And so maybe this is, this is the moment. This is something we could hope for.
2: Well, this, this woman just spoke to two white men and, and asked them to use their power to model.
0: You are so something. nice about it though. You're you are not hard. You're I'm gonna so nag gracious. You about it. I'm going no, to come back to No, you should. Well, if you, you hear of anything, you let us know. But yeah, I think we have been given some homework. We're usually the professors giving other people assignments, but we've been given an assignment, <laughs> Dave. So when is this due? Are you going to give us a due date?
2: Tomorrow I'm Not going tomorrow. to call you. Oh. No, you don't have to do it by tomorrow. But tomorrow I'm going to say. So, what happened when you were sleeping on that?
0: All right. All and whatever right.
2: you do, wow. I will. I will join in. But the the ones who are perceived to be in power, I think, have to begin. Wait. So you're be, saying hey, this
0: podcast actually has to like do something? We can't just like be talking heads. Oh man.
2: All
1: right. Okay.
0: So, oh, uh, Missio Alliance,
1: you. if you're out there and you're listening and you know who I'm talking about. Uh, And the board meeting's coming up. I think we got an opportunity here.
0: All right, good. You got it. And I don't know if you know, Mandy, but in two weeks here at Northern Seminary, we are doing a She Leads conference. So all of you men that are listening, you should go to support the women. The enrollment of
1: men is very light right now. But you
0: can live stream this anywhere across the nation. So you don't just have to be in Chicago to come in person. So we will put all the info on our page. You can go to Miss You Alliance or just Plug in You Alliance as she leads. You can go to that. So maybe that's one step for all of you men listening, as you could go check Come that out. Come to she leads, but I otherwise just, we have our homework cut out for us. I just us. want to
1: say this has probably been, not probably, this has been the most hopeful podcast on or anything done on Trump that I've listened to in the last six months, maybe a year. Well,
2: good. We we found a way to make it an opportunity for revival. What else could you? All what right. better thing could you do?
0: Well, thanks for taking the time out of your busy <laughs> schedule, Mandy, to jump on. We would love that's to have no you joy. on again. Would you want to come on again? We could talk about something else. I promise
2: I won't lay down a challenge every
0: time. No, it's good
1: for us. You don't hey, have to make hey, that hey, promise. That's, no apologies necessary. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> we want to say that uh, We've just, the Reverend Mandy Smith has written a great book, The Vulnerable Pastor. I think I, I did blurb that book in. It was great. Yep. It was great. We loved it. So, we highly recommend it. All
0: right. Well, you're officially part of the Theology and Mission team. So, I would uh,
2: love
0: to come anytime. So, you're you're on. Well, thanks for uh, stepping in. Thanks, uh, any last words, Mandy? Anything come uh, in that the Spirit's compelling you said to speak?
2: I have everything I came here
1: to say. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, folks, it's, been an, it's a wrap. Another Theology on Mission podcast. Uh, until next time, I give you Jeff Holsklaw, Dave Fitch, and. D Smith S signing out.